Hello everybody, Mark Carlson here, SNEA Technical Council Co-Chair. Welcome to the SDC Podcast. Every week, the SDC Podcast presents important technical topics to the storage developer community. Each episode is hand-selected by the SNEA Technical Council from the presentations at our annual Storage Developer Conference. The link to the slides is available in the show notes at snea.org slash podcasts. You are listening to SDC Podcast, episode 154. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on from where you have joined in. Thank you so much for your time attending this session on Amazon FSX for Luster. My name is Suman Devnath. I'm a principal developer advocate with Amazon Web Services. And today we are going to deep dive on Amazon FSX for Luster and its use case and few of its performance advantage. So in next 30 minutes, what we are going to talk about is, uh, you know, what Amazon FSX for Luster is and how you can make use of this to run your workload even faster and cheaper. We will look into its integration with uh, Amazon S3, which is our object-based storage. And we will then dive in into the data processing options that you may have with Amazon FSX for Luster. And we'll end this discussion with a few of the performance stats, which uh, you should be aware of. And uh, that is something which is which is the most uh, powerful uh, you know, workhorse for Amazon FSX for Luster. So let's start off uh, with thinking that, you know, how uh, you can make and run your workload run faster and cheaper with uh, Amazon FSX for Luster. Now, before we uh, you know, uh, get into uh, FSX for Luster, uh, uh, let's see that why our customers uh, want to run uh, compute workload on AWS. What are the advantages that you can get or what are the benefits? So if you look at it, uh, we we generally see that there are five basic uh, benefits that our customers or any user gets. First is the elasticity. So you virtually get unlimited infrastructure you know, and it can scale and you get the agility to deploy your application at scale, uh, which is not possible uh, on-premise. Then comes the functionality. So we have a rich set of instance types, like various types of instances based on your need uh, in terms of performance and price. And we do have a lot of automation, orchestration, and networking and virtualization solution, which can cater your application based on your need and requirement. And the next thing is agility. This is one of the most important thing in today's world where uh, organizations uh, want to try different experiments and they want to fail fast and you know uh, quickly recover from whatever they uh, have thought of that it would work but it did not so you need to fail fast and quickly recover and go uh, you know go forward and reduce the time uh, to result so you get that agility in aws as uh, as when you need you can build your infrastructure and once you are done with it you can just destroy it so there is no legacy storage or there is no budget that will be you know completely dedicated for uh, your uh, on-premise infrastructure uh, that uh, you have to live with even if you don't use uh, then comes the global infrastructure so uh, amazon web services so uh, we we have the infrastructure of the uh, resources all across the globe, uh, depending on which region you are picking for uh, for deploying your application or services. So you can go live in any of the region across the globe uh, for your business uh, uh, with no time. So depending so depending on your need, you may like to host your 
infrastructure and application in one or more uh, uh, availability zones or regions that we have. And it is cost optimized. So this is uh, one of the most important things. So that that in AWS, uh, whatever you do, you know, you pay only for what you use. If you don't pay, uh, you are not going to get charged for anything. So it's uh, based on completely based on the consumption model that you pay only for what you use. Now, when we look at uh, the compute workload on AWS, typically the data processing, uh, uh, when the data is stored in S3, it looks something like this, that you have the S3 uh, in the middle and you have various sources of data coming in. It might be IoT, it might be some center, sensor data, it might be some data from your automotive uh, vehicle, etc. So basically, if you look at it, all this uh, ingestion or all this input data are of different types. So it, it is uh, completely unstructured. It can be images, it can be uh, CSV files, it can be text, uh, it can be anything. And you use S3 to dump all the all that data. And then uh, if you want to compute, uh, if you want to run some compute on this particular data, what you need to do is essentially you have to uh, create some uh, EC2 instance or some compute uh, service. And then you want to make sure that this S3 gets the access uh, to that compute uh, instance. And then you will do some processing uh, uh, on that particular data set uh, with lots of compute or lots of EC2 instances. And then you might want to uh, write or checkpoint the result back to S3 so if, you, if your application demands. And uh, once you are done with this, uh, you will just destroy or get rid of those uh, compute. So this is a typical uh, you know, workflow that you have where you store the data in S3 and uh, make use of some compute uh, instances, process the data, and then once that processing is done, it can be a machine learning training job uh, running on SageMaker, or it can be anything. Right? So once you are done with that, you may want to write that checkpoint back to S3 and uh, destroy the compute instances. Now, when, when you look at this, uh, there are various options that you have uh, for processing the data. The first is uh, you can have uh, uh, the instances or the EC2 machines uh, to have EBS volume or instance storage and all your S3 uh, data should be uh, you know, stored in all these uh, EBS volumes or instance storage. That means you need to you know, copy that data from S3 to either EBS or instance store of these EC2 instances. The next is uh, you know manage self-managed files file system where you need to take a bunch of uh, EC2 instances and save all these uh, uh, data from S3 and create a uh, you know, uh, self-managed file system, and then your client can access that uh, uh, through the network. So this needs a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, headache from uh, a customer standpoint because they have to manage that file system of their own. And then we have a direct S3 access where uh, you will be accessing that S3 bucket um, uh, to access your uh, objects via maybe HTTP uh, port and get. So it's basically uh, through the APIs. Now, when you look at all these three options, let's get into uh, each of them and see that what are the disadvantage of each of them. So the first is the data processing using EBS and instant storage. So this is a working model and a lot of our customers uh, do use that where you have to take that S3 uh, uh, bucket and you need to make sure that you have enough number of instances and you need to give access uh, or you need to copy the data or the subset of the data from S3 to all these uh, instances 
EBS volume or instant storage. So basically you need to first place uh, decide what part of the data should go to instance number one, what part of the data should go to instance number two and so on and so forth. So while this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is a working model, but uh, there are a lot of challenges involved in this. First is you need to plan the activity, uh, you know, uh, plan the active working set beforehand. So you need to plan which data to move in and out uh, ahead of time. The next is uh, you need to shard your data set. So you need to know, uh, uh, you know, which, which is the data uh, that need to be accessed by uh, which instance. So you, you need to have that mapping beforehand. And then uh, there is a problem with uh, data uh, duplication. Because it might so happen that, uh, you know, your multiple instances might need to access the same data. And to do so, what you need to do is you need to save the same data uh, in respective EC2 inst uh, uh, EC2 instance EBS volume or instance storage. So what will happen is you will have multiple instances, uh, you know, having the same data in its respective EBS volume or instance storage. The next is, uh, you know, data processing with self-managed file system. So here you will create a file system or distributed file system and you will save the, the data on S3 and then your client will access it. So this is very, very complex to manage and maintain. And uh, this has a, a, you know, a lot of dependencies on how you have architected your file system and uh, uh, it might uh, you know take a toll on you uh, in terms of performance because there are a lot of things going around uh, because you have a connectivity from your file server to uh, uh, s3 and then your file server to the end user or the client so there are a lot of uh, moving parts here and uh, uh, you know it, it would be a very cumbersome job for any customer to maintain such a distributed file system now, if you look at all these two options, which we have just seen, uh, one thing is common that you need to track the changes that you are doing, right? Uh, it's not only about accessing the data from S3, but it, it's also about how, you know, you to, to maintain or track the changes that you are uh, making on, uh, on the data because you have to write that data back to S3. So you need to write your own scripting logic or you need to put some automation in place, which can periodically uh, write the data back to s3 now the last thing uh, you know last option that you have is uh, uh, processing the data uh, without any intermediate storage so you will be having ec2 instances and uh, you will be having your s3 uh, bucket now you need to access that directly so this works pretty fine and uh, the way that you you can do so is through http apis or uh, you know the restful apis to uh, get put and all of that while this is very good, but this is not, uh, you know, appropriate for all kinds of application. So this is good for application which needs a high throughput, but it is not at all good for application which is latency sensitive. And one of the most important drawback of this is, uh, you know, this is not a POSIX compliance because you are not going to access the storage uh, using POSIX, uh, you know, uh, schema. So you are going to access that storage uh, using object interface, right? Now put and get as we just discussed. And uh, this is not good for application if you need to access the same data repeatedly, uh, because what will happen end up happening is uh, when you access the same data multiple times, you're going to uh, send a multiple uh, get request and uh, it will be, you know, you'll be charged for that, which is not at all optimal, you know, uh, a good thing for any customer. 
Now to overcome all of this, uh, you know, yeah, here we have uh, Amazon FSX for Luster. So the way that uh, it works is, or the way that, uh, you know, you can uh, have FSX for Luster is you can integrate that uh, with uh, S3. So what you do is you create a file system um, uh, called FSX for Luster on AWS, and you can link that file system uh, to your bucket or to your S3 bucket. So your data is stored in S3, but, uh, you know, it will be loaded on FSX, uh, you know, for, for uh, Luster for FSX file system only when there is a read request uh, you know comes in from the client okay so the way that it it would work is uh, you know your data uh, will be still in uh, s3 and you will just create an fsx uh, uh, a luster file system on aws and at that point there is no copying of data okay and then you can just mount that file system to uh, your ec2 instances and the moment you mount that file system you would be able to see all the objects in terms of uh, you know folders and files uh, on on the ec2 instances but at that time the data is still in s3 there's no data saved in fsx uh, so it just copy uh, you know copies the metadata but it will copy the data only when uh, it, uh, you know the the client request for uh, any read so that that's how it will work and we are going to see that uh, you know life cycle in a moment so another advantage of uh, fsx for luster is uh, you know for on prem uh, you know a bursting of for on prem data repositories so a lot of times it might so happen that uh, you have lots of lots of data which is on premise and you need to do some uh, compute uh, operation on that data but you don't have that compute resource uh, on premise so you may want to use the compute resource on aws so what you can do is uh, you can create a bunch of ec2 instances or the compute resources on aws and create an uh, FSX uh, for Luster file system. And you can connect uh, that file system uh, to your on-premise uh, uh, storage via uh, AWS VPN and a Direct Connect and there are various other options. Now what happens is, uh, you know, with this FSX for Luster can become an intermediate uh, between your virtual machines on AWS and your data storage on-premise and it can access and do the computation. And once the computation is over, you can just delete the FSX for Luster file system and you can get rid of these compute resources. Now, this particular file system uh, is uh, very popular, you know, have a support for all the popular Linux distribution like uh, Amazon Linux 2, RHEL, CentOS, Ubuntu, and, and SUSE. So it's almost, you can run the, uh, you can have any of these clients to access the data uh, on FSX for Luster. Now let's look into uh, the integration uh, uh, in bit more details uh, with uh, Amazon S3. So as uh, you know, as we just uh, discussed, uh, what we need to do is uh, when you create an uh, Amazon FSX for Luster file system, uh, you need to uh, point uh, or you need to uh, tell the file system that, okay, here is the S3 bucket and uh, you need to make sure that you connect uh, your file system with this S3 bucket. So at that point, uh, the file system doesn't copy any data from S3 and you can just mount that file system uh, from your uh, EC2 instances and you can see all the files and directories which is saved or stored in that particular uh, S3 bucket. 
but nothing is saved in FSX uh, uh, file system. So the file are moved in real time only when it is accessed. Uh, so the file system will go and talk to S3 only when uh, there is a uh, uh, read request uh, uh, coming from any of the client or the EC2 machine. So let's take an uh, example. So and this is what uh, we call it as a lazy loading. Uh, so here, let's take an example that you have a bucket called uh, S3 bucket and you have created an, uh, created an FSX for Luster file system and pointing to that particular bucket. Now, the moment you create that, it copies the metadata from S3. So now if you mount that file system uh, on any of the EC2 instances, uh, and if you just run, uh, you know, LS, you will be able to see all the files uh, which are saved, uh, you know, uh, in the S3 bucket. But at that point in time, uh, nothing is copied from S3 to uh, the file system. Now, what happens is the when 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 one of the EC2 instance uh, first try to access, let's say, file one. At that point, uh, the FSX uh, for Luster file system will go back to S3 and will try to uh, copy that data or that file1.txt to that file system and then you know in, at later point in time if that same client tried to access that uh, it will be served from that file system not only this uh, now that the data is in the file system uh, if any other client uh, tries to access that it will be served from the file system itself it will not go back uh, to s3 Right. So that's how the uh, that's why we call this as a lazy load, because it doesn't uh, load the data first place when you actually create uh, the file system. Now, there are a few HSM commands that uh, you can use to uh, to control the data movement. Uh, the first is uh, HSM archive, which copies file uh, to S3 uh, from uh, FSX for Luster. So let's say you made some changes uh, uh, in your uh, in one of the file or uh, you know directory or whatever it is and then you want to make sure that that a uh, change goes back to uh, s3 so you can use hsm archive for that uh, you can also use hsm release which will free up the space uh, you know on uh, with the file uh, once it is archived so what what would typically happen is you will make some change uh, in your ec2 instance uh, on uh, you know doing some computational work and then you want to save that uh, data back to S3. So you'll be doing HSM archive. And once that is done, you don't want to waste the storage space of uh, FSX uh, for Luster file system. So you can you can just fire uh, HSM uh, release uh, command. It will, uh, you know, free up that space. And then um, we uh, you can use HSM restore, which will bring back the data back from uh, to uh, FSX for Luster from S3. So one key thing to remember is when you do HSM release, it just free up the space, but uh, it saves the metadata. So when you use uh, HSM for restore, uh, you know it can go back uh, to S3 and bring your uh, data back okay, because it has the metadata. Now let's see, you know how it preserves the POSIX uh, meta, uh, metadata, uh, metadata across uh, FSX and S3. So the first time when you uh, create a, a FSX uh, uh, for Luster file system, it will just copy the metadata and it will uh, you know it will copy the POSIX permission which is stored in S3. And later on, when these files are accessed uh, you know, from uh, from the file system on the file system, it will try to uh, you know uh, read it uh, from S3. 
And later on, uh, once you made some change in that data uh, on your compute, on your EC2 instances, uh, you can call the API data repository uh, task API and it will export uh, all those changes back to S3. So the files uh, are stored with the POSIX permission uh, from FSX uh, Luster to S3. And later on, uh, when when you again try to read the data uh, from S3, uh, you know, to Luster, it will have uh, the updated, uh, you know, uh, POSIX permissions, etc. Okay, based on the changes that you made. Now, when you release that, um, it's exactly like this. So you can, uh, you know, what we have just discussed, you can use HSM release and it will just free up the space uh, um, in your FSX for Lasta uh, file system, but uh, it will still have uh, the metadata saved. Now, this is one of the uh, most predominant uh, use case that uh, we have, uh, and that is the integration with SageMaker. So Amazon SageMaker is uh, the service that we have for machine learning, uh, uh, you know, uh, work, uh, machine learning operations. Like you can build, you can train, and you can deploy your machine learning models on Amazon SageMaker. And in Amazon SageMaker, typically, any data science engineer or machine learning engineer will be saving all the data in S3 uh, and that would be data that would be the data which it would use uh, uh, for training any particular model right so now uh, think imagine that uh, you are training uh, a particular uh, for a particular problem and uh, you are using SageMaker for that and your data is in S3 so you might have to uh, copy the whole data uh, uh, from S3 uh, before you start the training uh, on the instance, right? And it might so happen that uh, when you, because machine learning is all about experiments, right? You keep on changing uh, different hyperparameters and uh, do the training. So you might have to read the data uh, multiple times from S3 and which uh, which takes a lot of time and as well as uh, it will charge, uh, you know, it will, it will cost you more um, money uh, because you are reading data multiple times from S3. So now uh, to avoid that, uh, you can have um, FSX for Luster in the middle and the data can be read uh, from FSX for Luster. So now SageMaker will not interact with S3 directly. It will just interact with uh, FSX for Luster. And since, uh, you know, the FSX for Luster will save the data in, in the file system. You don't have to go back to S3 multiple times uh, for, uh, you know, for running the same training job, uh, you know, multiple times uh, with different hyperparameters. And uh, not only that, uh, you know, it, it would be much faster because you are going to use, uh, you know, the FSX uh, file system in the middle. So you can get uh, gigabytes of uh, uh, throughput, uh, you know, on, on your training uh, lifecycle. Now let's look into the data uh, processing options that you have. So this is a typical uh, workflow that we have uh, or the typical um, deployment model. You save your data on S3 and you create an FSX uh, file system and you link the file system to the S3 bucket. At any, any point, uh, you know, you can use uh, the Luster command to write the uh, changes back to S3. And once you are done with your compute uh, on uh, using that particular data, you can always delete uh, that file system. So you get two choices uh, now when you uh, create a FSX for Luster file system. One is Scratch and another is Persistent. So Scratch is, as the name suggests, is for short-term processing uh, where 
you know there is no uh, you know a high availability but you can just uh, create a, a scratch fsx for luster file system and it is it, it has just single copy and once your workload is done i mean your computation is done you can just delete it and if you want to use this uh, for long term or for uh, you know uh, for some pricing which will uh, which you need for a months or even years or even beyond then you might uh, want to go with a persistent uh, deployment where you get uh, you know ha uh, file servers and the data are replicated uh, you know across the file servers now let's talk about uh, the performance and this is uh, one of our customer uh, back from and uh, they are mostly into uh, machine learning and mri, uh, MRI uh, image processing and uh, what they have done is uh, uh, they they are now using um, fsx for luster uh, for training their data uh, you know their models so previously they they were using s3 but now they are using fsx for luster in the middle uh, and they're not talking so SageMaker is not talking to s3 directly and uh, what they have seen is uh, their you know, ml based workflow uh, was reduced by uh, 20 times so they they reduced it reduced the uh, time uh, to train and deploy their model drastically. So uh, this this improved the performance uh, as well as the cost. Now this is these are the numbers that uh, you know you can uh, you know uh, keep in mind. Um, uh, this is for the scratch uh, file system performance. So with one terabyte of capacity, uh, you know you get a base throughput of two hundred uh, megabytes per second and it can bust up to uh, 400 megabytes and uh, if you increase the storage capacity your throughput increases accordingly so one interesting thing to uh, look at here is your performance is directly proportional to the capacity of the storage right? so the more uh, uh, capacity that you have in your file system or the bigger your file system is uh, the better performance that you will uh, get now by default uh, you know um, Luster, um, FSX for Luster uh, will be good for you. But in case you want to do some uh, performance tuning or some optimization, there are some best practices. Uh, one of them is you should, uh, you can, you can explore uh, striping and we are going to uh, see that uh, what striping is. And uh, you, you can also take advantage of uh, using a bigger uh, IO size because the more if you use a bigger IO size, uh, you know, uh, technically your throughput will increase, right? It's a it's common for uh, you know any file system, and you sh you need to make sure that uh, your client selection or the EC2 instance that you are using uh, are are of good uh, configuration. Like it should have enough memory, CPU, and network bandwidth so that it can make best use of that uh, that FSX for Luster file system. Now. What is striping and why we use it? So striping is uh, uh, one of the very important thing because it actually uh, uh, shards a large file into small, small, uh, uh, you know, chunks, and uh, all those chunks can say uh, can be saved in uh, various uh, file servers. And when you try to read that, uh, you know, you get uh, the more um, most amount of uh, parallelization. All right, so striping can uh, drastically improve your throughput. Now, striping can be done at the directory level or at uh, uh, at file level. So it can be per file or per directory. And if you are setting it per directory, yeah, you know the the parameters uh, get uh, you know inherited for all the files inside that directory. So 
what is this uh, stripe uh, is about so let's let's take an example so let's say you have a file of 7 mb and uh, uh, you you have set the stripe count of uh, 3 that means your whole file uh, uh, will be uh, divided um, into uh, three different uh, drive or three different disk and uh, if your stripe size is 1 MB, that means a 7 MB file will be chopped into a 7 small small chunks and each of these chunk will be saved in different, uh, you know, uh, disk. So if your stripe count is 3, that means your file will be saved in 3 different disks. So this is, uh, th these are the, uh, you know, this is, th these are the uh, parameters or the variables that you should keep in mind and you may like to use it uh, while configuring uh, the file system. And there is an interesting, uh, you know, configuration that you can set, uh, uh, which is import file chunk size. Uh, so let's say you have files of different sizes, right? Which is, uh, uh, which would be the most, uh, the case in most of your uh, use cases. Uh, when you when you use this import uh, file uh, chunk size, you can pick uh, uh, the file size which is. I mean, very, very much dominant uh, in your file system. So let's say uh, that is a 1 MB, uh, you know, uh, chunk size. So you can use that most dominant, uh, you know, file size uh, divided by the number of disk uh, and that you can use as your chunk size. So this is something that uh, you may like to explore. If you have a particular file size, uh, you know, which is dominant uh, uh, in your data store. Now, these are the uh, regions where, uh, you know, you can make use of uh, Amazon FSx uh, for Luster uh, service. And, uh, you know, these regions are, as you know, uh, you know, we keep on adding uh, support for uh, the same service at across various regions. Uh, but uh, you, you can almost use it. I mean, you make use of uh, this file system uh, almost everywhere uh, across the globe. So now uh, let's uh, spend a couple of minutes uh, uh, where I, I'll try to show you in the console uh, how you can create FSX for Luster file system. Okay, so uh, I have already created a, uh, a file system uh, FSX for Luster and I have pointed this uh, to an S3 bucket. So uh, I'll still show you how you can create that. So this is a wizard and uh, you can select FSX for Luster uh, and we, uh, we do have another service called FSX for Windows Server that is for Windows Client and this is for Linux. So when you click next, you can give some name to your files, uh, you know, uh, file system. Let's say my file system and you can use, uh, you can select either it's persistent or scratch. So we can use, uh, you know, scratch and you have to give the size of the file system. So minimum is 1.2 terabyte. So let's go with that. And then you can set, um, you know, uh, pick the right uh, security group and uh, VPN, subnet, etc. These are very common across most of the services that we have. The important thing is this, uh, here you can import your S3 bucket, right? So you, you can select this option called import data from S3 and you can give your S3 bucket, uh, you know, uh, name. Right. And once this is done, uh, you can just click on uh, next and create it. I'm not going to create that, uh, but uh, this is how you can uh, create. So we already have a one uh, FSX for Luster file system. And if you click on this, uh, this is pointing to an S3 bucket. So let me um, show you that S3 bucket. So the S3 bucket name is uh, SNIA SDC 
2020, it should be 2020, uh, but uh, it, it was just a typo. So now let's go to that uh, uh, S3 bucket. And let's search for that. And we see that inside this bucket, we have two different, uh, you know, two uh, different files, right? It's a zip file, but these are the uh, two files. Now let's uh, uh, go to uh, the EC2 instance. And I have already created uh, two EC2 instances and they are running so we can log into one of them and try to uh, you know uh, mount that file system right so we have server one and server two so i have already logged in uh, uh, to those servers and if you look at it uh, if you look at it there is uh, that particular file system is not uh, imported so what we can do is first we can create uh, one directory okay it seems that that directory is already there okay but nothing is uh, uh, you know there inside now we can connect uh, to that file system so to do that let's go to that uh, file system and let's get inside and click on attach so when you do an attach uh, you get the whole command of the uh, uh, mount command or so you can simply copy that and we can paste it here okay so now if we see we see the same files uh, you know uh, which we have in s3 bucket but now you can uh, you know do anything with this uh, data but at this point uh, this data is not yet copied uh, on the file system uh, because it is not yet uh, you know read so it is not yet uh, copied so now next thing is uh, what we can do is uh, we can try to uh, write something in this particular uh, file share so let's create a text file and if you see now this test file is there right but now if you go to s3 and if i refresh you'll see that that file is still not there right and the reason is uh, we have not archived that so let's uh, try to archive this okay so let's go to fx and we have this file file one so let's uh, archive this and we used hsm archive command and if we now go back and try to refresh and we would see that file came back to s3 right so this is how uh, you know you can uh, make use of uh, different hsm commands to uh, write your you know process your data uh, on your computer instances and write back the changes uh, to s3 okay and one one small thing is uh, you know uh, which i have already done that but uh, just for to save some time but once you create an ec2 instance you need to uh, install and uh, fsx for luster client so you need to install this uh, you know it's uh, it's clearly documented uh, in the user guide but uh, there is something that you need to do before you 
try to mount any of the, the you know fsx for luster file system okay so that's all i have uh, 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 for this talk and uh, feel free to reach out to me uh, over linkedin or uh, you know any other social media platform like twitter and if you have any comments or any uh, you know queries uh, while working on this feel free to uh, ping me i'll be more than happy uh, uh, to answer your queries okay uh, thank you so much uh, for your time and uh, it was an amazing experience uh, to be in this wonderful conference i hope you are enjoying and uh, you have a wonderful rest of the day and enjoy the upcoming talks thank you so much thanks for listening if you have questions about the material presented in this podcast, be sure and join our developers mailing list by sending an email to developers-subscribe at snea.org. Here you can ask questions and discuss this topic further with your peers in the storage developer community. For additional information about the Storage Developer Conference, visit www.storagedeveloper.org.